Hi, it's Pete Price. And on my podcast today, Jim Davison. I love this guy. OBE, Jim Davison, and I have been friends for a long time. We're going to talk about adult pantos, the armed services, uh, comedy today, the big break, and the generation game. Loads to talk about. Have a listen to Jim Davison with Pete Price. Ladies and gentlemen, OBE, Mr. Jim Davison. Hello, Jim. Hello, Pricey. <laughs> it's been a long time, mate. A long time. It has been a long time, mate. I know. It has indeed. And you come into the St. Helens Theatre, which is a cracking theatre. Lovely, lovely intimate theatre that uh, the audiences just love. And some friends of mine own it, and they've turned it around, and we are delighted that you're coming uh, to Well, that would be theater. great. We could do with a decent theatre up that way. There's a few dodgy ones, so it's nice. Do you know, a lot of theatres now, Pete, are not looked after by people that understand theatres. It's yeah. just like a corporate franchise. It's yeah. awful. I'm glad you said that, Jim, because they are theatre people. They yeah. have done pantos themselves. They've been acts, so they have done it. And they've, they, honestly, they've made a cracking job. Jim, let's go right back to the beginning. How did it start for you? Because I've never asked you that question. Well, I was always a bit of a show-off. I was in the gang show with the Boy Scouts when I was 12 and uh, and then played drums in a pub when I was 14. But I think it really started by just getting out of my head on various substances and booze and the comedian didn't turn up in the pub in Woolwich so the blokes threw me on. And I thought, oh, I can do this, right. you know. Yeah. I just basically copied Jimmy Jones for a <laughs> did a few of his jokes and I ended up... Uh, doing okay, and then I worked in a pub in Lewisham when I was a window cleaner. The, the, the bloke was from up north. He said, I'm looking for a comedian. And my mate said, Jim will do it. And he said, what what pubs have you worked? And I sussed out this bloke didn't know any pubs around now, so I just made a load up. And I got a job, six quid. Six pounds Sunday lunchtime. And that, that's it, and the rest is history. Interesting you mentioned Jimmy Jones. Jimmy Jones yeah. was the first comic, uh, Southern comic, that never comes up here. I came up a couple of times, but never used to come up. He was the first comic I ever saw, ever, where people requested gags like they would request yeah. a song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you go and see Jimmy Jones, you want him to do all his hits. Yeah. I think it's because he didn't have any pretense about him. He didn't think this is what happened to me. He used to say, now, here's a true story. It wasn't. It was just a, one joke after another. But he painted these wonderful pictures. He could take a one-liner and make it ten minutes long. There was another comedian down there as well, Pete, around about the same time. I, I met him a couple of years ago in Australia. He, he went out there, thank God. He was just too good. His name was Peter Demmer. All right. And they were very, very similar. They, they pitched, they did these, made these jokes last forever, and they painted a picture. I think Jimmy would struggle today. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, he, he couldn't really adapt that much. And in the end, he said, you know, I, I am what I am, and that's it. What was your love for the forces? Because you had done so much. You and I both went to the Falklands, but you were the first ever. What is your love? What, why did you find this uh, this area to go into? Well, well, quite frankly, I got paid 75 quid to go to Northern Ireland to do uh, for five days or uh, and to do a load of gigs there, and I quite enjoyed it. There were young people my age. I was only in my 20s. Yeah. So were they. I didn't realise there was any trouble in Northern Ireland. I just thought we got soldiers there. <laughs> so I was never really political at all, and, and it just it got in me blood. And, of course, after entertaining them in all over the place, Germany and Cyprus and Belize, the Falklands War broke out, yeah. and I was quite famous then. 
So I said to the government people, I'll do it for nothing. And so they kept asking me to do it, not particularly because I was funny, but because I was cost-effective. Yeah. <laughs> so I was. Yeah. Interesting you mentioned Belize. I did Belize. And yeah. to me, it was indescribable. It's something I will never forget as long as I live. But it was definitely going back to earth. <laughs> and they look after you, Pete, don't oh, yes. they? They're really yeah. nice to you. They, yeah. you know, they make you feel special, the military boys. You fly around by helicopters, nothing's too much trouble for them. It's great, isn't it? Mm. It is indeed. Now, you worked a lot around uh, Torquay, haven't you? Because that yeah. that's your area. You used to have a boat down there, and mm. it's your part of the world. You made a niche for yourself. When did television start? When did that come about? Television started 1976. I won New Faces. And then I won it again, the all-winners thing. And then I got beat by Roger DeCourcy in the final. But already by then I was on a TV show... I've been snapped up really quickly. I did a show called What's On Next with Barry Cryer, mm -hmm. Rest His Soul, and Bill Franklin, Hinge and Bracket, etc., etc. So that was my foot up the ladder, really. And then by 1979, I had my own TV show, Jim Davidson Show. So it was all a bit quick. But thank heavens, Pete, I knew the job. You know, it wasn't like Lenny Henry yeah. suddenly appeared on the yeah. television and out he went on tour and didn't have an act. Yeah. You know, I, we, we, you and I, we, you know, we've, uh, we learnt... The hard way. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about Lenny Henry. I did Morecambe uh, Bingo Hall with him just after he'd won the TV, and um, he, he didn't have an act. And I no. came off and he went, what am I going to do? Which was great. <laughs> he was lovely about it. But, I mean, I, as you say, and, and the big thing is with the, the bingo halls, what people don't realise is if you're doing the big room with 2,000 people in and they put yeah. the comic on at the end, what they do is they put that on to keep them in. Uh, but they don't tell you. So you go and say, ladies and gentlemen, Pete Price, and 1,500 people get up and walk out, and you go, excuse me, is something I've said? Do I smell or something? Yeah, that's the night the big TV agent walks in. Yeah, yeah always, 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 <laughs> always. When when you were doing TV, were, were you enjoying it? I enjoyed some of it. That, that big break became hard work because we were doing four a day. And uh, John and I were pretty exhausted. I enjoyed doing the Generation game, but I, I quickly got to know that the the people at the BBC they didn't want me there. The, the you know the people at the in the uh, Ivory Towers and the people that were working there didn't quite know how to do it. And I noticed there was lots of young, I mean, really young ladies yeah. that were producing and doing stuff. And I don't think they quite grasped it, you know. And I, I found it frustrating. And then when they asked me to leave, I was, I was you know, great. They didn't need to, you know, ask yeah. me twice. Yeah. And, of course, people don't realise when you do TV, that's when you then can start to earn good money when you're out there because you've given yourself a platform and people want to see you. You are a live performer um, yeah. and, and you love a, a, an audience. Now, you came to the Liverpool Empire and I'll never forget, I'm sitting in the audience <laughs> and in front of me were three press guys who yeah. were about to totally destroy what you were doing. And yeah. I watched... And I've never seen three fellas crack up like it. It was the really? most... And what was it? It was an adult pantomime with Charlie Drake and... I remember that, Pete. <sighs> I remember playing there because we stayed in the Adelphi Hotel with that woman who was famous. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I always wary of playing Liverpool because you never play a place where the audience are funnier than yourself. <laughs> you know, and I'm, <laughs> I said, excuse me, I'm down the hotel. I said, there's no remote... 
for me uh, for the television. He said, can't you get out of bed and turn the telly over? <laughs> <laughs> I fell about. That's Liverpool. And then he, then he said, he topped it as well. He said, we haven't got skies. There's nothing to turn over to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that show, the beautiful uh, theatre. I've got to and, add, uh, sorry, I, I was going to say, fun. where did the idea of the Aldo, Aldo Panto came from? 1976, uh, Birmingham. I was doing, uh, what was it, uh, Dick Whittington with Frank Ifield, Patrick Cargill, and, and the producer and director played the part, the baddie, Alan Curtis. And he said, every year we do a midnight matinee, all the other panto people and television stars turned up. And so one night, about half past 11, we did another performance. It wasn't particularly filthy, but it was sent up. Yeah. Morgan and Wise came along to do it. Other people, lots of stars, television stars, Chris Tarrant and the boys all turned up from Tiswas. And I thought, this is great. So it became a tradition of mine whenever I was starring in Panto and had a bit of a say in things that we'd do a midnight matinee and we'd have a good laugh. Yeah. And, and my friend, I, I, I remember I put, we did a midnight version of Cinderella, Charlie Drake Me, uh, in London. And I was at the back because I, as soon as the show started, I went round the front to see if they'd laugh because mm. I was numb for a bit. And Jess Conrad walked on as Elvis with a big lunch pack down the front of his trousers the big free piece all showing, and uh, and people laughed till they cried. Yeah, and I thought to myself, there might be some legs in this that might be able to do these. Because I, I don't think you realised how it would have been taken by England, and in fact, everybody has always wanted to see a smutty panto. And you yeah. brought it to life. And the cast were great. The production was great. It was a beautiful show. We can't really talk about it because we're live radio. But at your <laughs> announcement, <laughs> with the curtain closed, just everyone, you went, so he's just yeah. now set the I scene. To leave. <laughs> go, and get, go and have a drink. Yeah, and words to that effect. It was cracking. Now, did you enjoy, you were talking about TV before, did you enjoy the Generation Game? I did enjoy the Generation Game a lot because it was the first time, really, that I was involved with comedy where I didn't have to swear and tell filthy jokes. Mm -hmm. I, I imagined a family sitting in front of the television with a couple of kids, one 10, you know, one 13, uh, and a family, and, and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a bit of a clown. Of course, it was difficult taking over from Bruce, and Bruce weren't very happy. He didn't speak to me anymore after that. And... Uh, I wanted to change it around. I got, I managed to get rid of his crew bit by bit and changed the producer and the director, and I, I made it my own. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, now of course the, the the BBC won't even acknowledge that I did it, uh, but I, I did do it for yeah. seven yeah. years and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I loved Mr. Blobby. As a live performer, and I've mentioned this to many people I've spoke to on the radio show, how have you coped through the pandemic? How, how, talk us through it. What, what's it been like for you? Well, <clears throat> I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Am I going to have enough money to last me? Because I didn't have another income. So I got together with a friend of mine, and we started to, I started to do some stuff for YouTube, just a few things to camera. And then we decided this is working, so we formed a TV station, uh, called Ustream, U-S-T-R-E-M-E, -E, and people can go online and they can sign up to it. And within the first year, 
uh, we had 4,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. And they'd see a load of my stuff, a lot of Freddie Starr stuff, a lot of things, and, and lots of live shows. I did one tonight. It was on at 7.30. And so that's how... But, but still, I didn't make any money because we were plowing it back into the TV station mm-hmm. all the time. And then, thank heavens, the... Uh, the curtain was raised again because the COVID's went away and we all went out and, and topped up the sporum once again. Yeah, yeah. So, it was really scary. I didn't know whether I was ever going back to work because you don't plan these things. And I always spend tomorrow's money today. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I haven't got any savings at all. You know me. I've had too many wives, too many houses, too many pints. And uh, and so it was a bit of a blow. And for the first time in my life, I thought, what the hell am I going to do? So we formed Ustream. Yeah. And it's now... It's been valued uh, by the, the market, which we're going to uh, the five million pound company. Oh, wow. So that's not bad in its first eighteen months. Wow, that's incredible. So how did how before that happened? How did you did you take it serious the pandemic, or did you not? You thought is this going to go away? What were you like at the beginning before the TV? I thought it, w- it would sort of go away a bit, but I had a mate who kept saying, "This is in for a couple of years. Don't you worry about that." Mm-hmm. And, and I think that when the uh, everyone was saying this won't be over until we all get injected, and I think that was it. I, I just thinking, oh, please go away. I need to go back to work. I didn't mind staying in. Yeah. That was all right. The yeah. lockdown thing was okay. I just got a bit fat. The, the uh, you know the alcohol intake went up a little bit, but um, I was just so thrilled to get back on stage. Of course, then Pete, when you go back on stage after eighteen months, oh. You didn't have a heart attack because yep. you're frightened to death. You can't remember how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always, I always say this, and I quote this all the time. I always remember Mickey Finn was the first comic that said to me, "If you don't work regularly, you get yeah. so rusty. It's scary." Yeah, I know. After a couple of weeks, I go rusty. If I'm on tour and I've got two weeks off, oh, yeah, in the wings, absolutely. You yeah. know, yeah. People don't understand. They don't understand that. And what I love about you is when you stand on stage, you look incredibly incredibly confident you, you don't you don't give any signs of nervousness but you know there's comics that can throw up before they go on stage because they're so well nervous. i've got to that stage of nearly throwing up i i tend to not get that bad now yeah and of course there's always a large vodka hidden everywhere right. so that might sort of get me on i don't think i've ever been i don't think i've ever performed drunk once, I think, in Blackpool by mistake, but I've never, I, I never have to have drinks yeah, yeah. to go on stage, yeah. but I certainly need a stiff one when I come off. So how does the TV work? How, how much time does it take up for you? Uh, well, I do two live half an hour a week, so I do Tuesday night and Thursday night, that, that's uh, on Ustream, and uh, we put a little bit of it on YouTube, and then... I do a Saturday night show with Bobby Davro and a few of the others, Mike Osman. Uh, we record it on a Saturday and Sunday, so that goes out Sunday night live. And the rest of the time, if I'm not on tour, I'm in the studios doing stuff, or I'm in the offices trying to build up this. I think there's a big lack of television for people like me that want to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, people of a certain age, Pete, not you, you you're forever young. But there is, television now, it's, our TV platform, as it's called, there's no woke in it, okay? It's not rude, it's not it's not racist, sexist, homophobic, it's just good old laughs like we used to do. Laugh like we used to do, Pete. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think um, of the way comedy has gone? I know we're living in a society now where we have to be politically correct, and you've been criticised, I've been criticised, everybody, and I've actually stopped my phone in now uh, because you've got to think of every word that comes out of your mouth. How are new comics going to learn their trade? Well, I think it's born in them because the new, the new comics have come from that wokey type people. There was a young, there was a lady on uh, my show tonight, uh, Samantha Day, and she has a different outlook to comedy that I do. Um, I, I, I think all comedians have their peer groups. You know, the same audience that watched you when you were 26 mm -hmm. will be watching you now, but they'll be the same age as you, you know, and they'll bring young uns along to watch, but you basically take your audience with you from when you were at your peak, hopefully... Mm -hmm. They'll stay with you. And as for what you talk about, <clears throat> I believe as long as you're sincere and you're uh, and honest and you don't set out to upset anybody, you can pretty much talk about anything. You're coming to uh, St. Helens Theatre the 22nd of February to Kraken yes. Theatre. I've got my tickets. I am you coming, I am indeed coming. I am. Wait, here, do me a favour. Wear that newspaper suit, love. Oh. I love it. I will. Well, it's Mark Three now. The first oh, one, the it? first one was I bought for 15 and 6 when you were a child, because I'm a lot older than you, and yeah. I bought it for fancy dress. Then I went on New Faces and became the newspaper man. And then yeah. I was in Jersey, and I saw a little shop, and they had some material. I bought it. And then the echo of dummy jacket. So I, I will wear it for you oh, on the Pete. 22nd of St. Helens. And let's go out and have a curry and a beer after, eh? That sounds like a, a, that sounds like a plan. Jim, how can they find out about your TV? The TV, if people want to look up, type in on Google, Ustream, spelled with a U, U-S-T-R-E-M-E, -E, Ustream. Okay, mate? And that's how they get on there. They can have a little look, get a seven-day free trial, and you'll love it, mate. Jim Davison, I'll see you on the 22nd of February at the St. Helens Theatre Royal. See you, Pricey. Love you, mate. If you enjoyed that, why not subscribe? We'd love to hear from you. And if you subscribe, by the way, it costs you nothing. And we've got some great podcasts. Liverpool Live.